The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you, and it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she is passionate about helping all women make it out the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Even After Podcast. So I am here today to talk about not divorce, but diet culture, which is kind of a really fun conversation now that we're in the new year and everyone has New Year's resolutions that I'm sure have been forgotten. So let me introduce you to my guest. Tony Marinucci is a registered dietitian with a master's degree in nutrition and dietetics. She works with busy working women who struggle knowing how to eat to fuel their bodies optimally so they can have the energy and self-confidence to live a life of freedom, freedom from negative thoughts, self-doubt, and what ifs. She uses her social media platforms to end the restrictive diet culture by providing simple strategies to help people commit to healthier living. She has given a TED talk, she wrote a book, and she's going to link how dieting and dating and romantic relationships are all linked. So I can't wait to hear that one. Welcome, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here. Yeah, so let's just jump into this because the timing is so perfect, you know, and everyone has New Year's resolutions and I feel like everyone's New Year's resolutions are, oh, I'm going to lose the 10 or 15 pounds or I'm going to eat healthy or I'm not going to eat out as much or I'm going to cut out alcohol and, you know, and here we are a month or two later and they're forgotten about. So what is your take on New Year's resolutions that revolve around dieting? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people have the best intentions, but I think like anything, if we really want long-term results and we want to be able to be proud of our results, it's going to take time to develop. And a lot of our intentions sometimes become like going all in without any flexibility. They are a little bit too rigid. And so what a lot of people might struggle with that all or nothing mindset. And so I really help them to really find the balance within that. And you can have some structure without the restriction. You could have some guidance, some guidelines, and really also to too, I think sometimes we're so focused on the outcome instead of being focused on the behavior and people kind of lose sight of that. Mm. And so we have to, you can have a weight loss goal. That's fine, but we want it almost to be a byproduct of you just taking care of yourself better. Mm. Okay. So let's talk about that. Focusing on the outcome versus, which is what typically we do, right? Because Mm -hmm. we say we want to lose the X amount of weight versus the journey of getting there. How do you actually stop focusing on where you want to be and actually kind of enjoy the journey. It's hard. Um, I wish, you know, it's easier said than done, but you really do have to fall in love with the process. One of the things I say a lot, and I actually say it in my book is if you don't love the process, you'll be forever disappointed with your progress. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are just waiting to be happy when either when they lose the weight, when they get into a relationship, when they get the job, when they get the money, when they get the kid, when they, you know, when they, they graduate, whatever it is. And we're so focused on what's to come. We forget to like, what is it that we're doing now that's going to make us be able to enjoy that, right? And then keep it thereafter. Because if you like the results that it's giving you, you're going to have to keep putting in that same amount of effort and work in order to get those results in return, right? So that's why it goes back to, 
where you can have the best intentions and go all in on something. However, you're not going to always be at a hundred, right? So instead of being disappointed when you start to burn out and things aren't really working well, it's like, let's use that as feedback and let's, you know, figure out what is it that we need to shift or do Mm -hmm. to continue to get the results that we're seeking, but not be so much focused on like, I'm only going to be happy if I get the results. It's almost learning like, oh, you know what? I actually really like the food I'm eating. I really like the workouts I'm doing. I have more energy. I have more bowel movements. My skin's clear. Like I'm happier. And oh, that's so cool. And now I put on my pants and they actually fit me. Like how cool Mm. is that, right? (laughs) So it's kind of like a byproduct to it. And it's just a much more pleasant experience because especially with weight loss, it's so tricky. There's so many ups and downs. And especially with women, like so many things get in the way of making it like an easy process. So we it's better to focus on the things that are working for us rather than working against us. I love that. And you just said so many things that I want to talk about. But one of the things in particular that really resonates with me is I've always been, uh, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it hardcore and I'm going to do it perfectly. And I have learned over the past few years to drop that. And so when I show up now at the gym, if it's not the killer crush it type of workout, I'm like, that's okay. Like, all right. It just, the the weight wasn't moving today and that's okay. And it could have been my sleep or stress, or it could have been all of these factors. And I really let go of that feeling like it had to be perfect. And I think that's similar to dieting too, right? In nutrition of like Mm -hmm. having to be perfect all of the time. Yeah. And it's just not a realistic expectation. And I want to be clear, like in order to really make a long-term behavior change, you do have to kind of go all in on yourself, right? So Mm -hmm. you're still, like you said, you still showed up right? You still went to the gym, right? What maybe wasn't the best workout, but you still got there, right? So it's like, sometimes your meals aren't going to be, you know, the most balanced or the most nutritious, but at least you decide, you know, in that moment, you're going to do the best you can, right? Instead of saying, screw it. And what a lot of people do is either they're under eating or they're overeating, or they're like, I don't care at all. And then they kind of self-sabotage, right? Rather than just like, oh, you know what? I shoot, I left my lunch at home or I don't have any veggies to cook in the fridge. It's like, okay, you make do it's one meal. We don't now, now go on a pantry raid to just like say, oh, well, might as well start tomorrow. Right. So that's the mindset we need to really help heal. Cause there's a lot of like, that really is like from a damaged place. Right. And so we really need to kind of get away from that and really just focus on like, how can I do my best given the circumstances? And sometimes that's going to look quote unquote perfect. And most of the time it's going to look like, okay, it's pretty great. (laughs) So full disclosure, I'm kind of laughing inside because right before I hopped on here, so I'm not a big bagel eater and someone brought in my office, they brought bagels in and I didn't have my lunch today because I usually pack it. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't eaten anything. I worked out this morning and I'm like, I have to eat something. And I ate ate the bagel. So I'm just kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, here I am coming on a (laughs) podcast to talk about nutrition and health and and all of that. But I think it's balance, right? That's such like a perfect example because it's not like now you had four bagels. You had a bagel, right? You're going to still probably eat something later, right? Maybe you'll probably be hungry soon, right? So you'll probably (laughs) have a nutritious snack, whatever. And then you have a balanced dinner and you just move on. You just keep going. 
right? And you didn't screw up because you had a bagel. That's where also with diet culture, the mind is like, you're not allowed to have carbs. You can't have this. You have to eat this time. You have to eat with this. Blah, blah, blah. There's just so many rules. And the reality is, is we're all so unique, so individual. We all have different goals, likes, dislikes, you know, food preferences, all the things that we have to kind of figure out what makes sense for me. Right. And I'm proud of you for eating something rather than not eating anything, because there's a lot of people out there with food fears, especially things like carbohydrates. And so now they don't eat anything. But then they go home and that's where the pantry raid happens or that's where they are hangry or they snap at their kids or they are you know frustrated with themselves or then the cravings come because naturally if your body's not getting what it needs it's going to yell for what it wants right so it's going to be like i want sugar i want fried foods i want salt i want all the things and there's nothing wrong with that but it wouldn't be so loud if you just nurtured (laughs) and fed your body consistently on a regular basis all right so let me ask you what are the differences between men and women on their weight loss journey? Because my husband and I will have like debates about this. I'll be like, no, calories in, calories out. And I'll be like, yeah, but I'm a woman. I have like different things going on. Mm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. are there actually, or is that in my head? So no, it is a lot harder for women for weight. Oh, there's so many reasons, right? So first of all, men and women for both of us, we are, we're as mammals, we are not designed for weight loss. If anything, we're designed to help store fat. So if you were, you know, we don't have, you know, let me back up a bit. It's, this is 2022 that we're recording this food is abundant and we are a first world country. We're fully developed. Like we have lots of things at our fingertips all of the time. But if you think about your grandparents, they probably didn't have food like that. They probably struggled to get that. And then obviously our ancestors way before that, way before that, way before that. So our bodies are designed to keep us safe because we didn't always have food available and abundant to us. So if we if food is scarce, our metabolisms naturally will slow down to kind of compensate for that. Okay. Now fast forward to today, our bodies are designed to store fat, yet a lot of people are trying to achieve weight loss, right? And so they're doing it by under eating. And yes, there is a calories in calories out mentality to it. But then we also have to factor in hormones, we have to factor in sleep, we have to factor in stress, we have to factor in gut health, like, there are other things that might slow down what how much you actually burn. So yeah, it might appear that if someone who's like 30 years old, five foot seven, 175, whatever, that they would lose X amount of calories and burn X amount of calories a day. And so they would need this amount of calories to intake in order to achieve weight loss. But it just, it's not a perfect science. It just doesn't work that way. We're very complicated. And for men, weight loss is a lot easier most of the time because they just naturally have faster metabolisms because they usually have more muscle mass around their body. But either way, it's challenging for either party. But for women, it becomes a little bit more complicated, especially as you age. And it's because also women, they're usually less likely to do something like strength training, where we think like men are usually the ones lifting the weights, putting it down, whereas women are usually the ones in cardio. And I know that that's like a very blanket statement. And I know that that's not actually true, but I just mean like in society, that's what tends to get filtered down. And unless we challenge the narrative, that is where our kind of our roles get played, right? So it's important for us to realize that either way, it's hard. Women do have a little bit hard, have it a little bit harder, especially when they get to the perimenopausal, menopausal age. With that said, things can be done to make it easier. But I also want to back up just a little bit, if that's okay. Like I actually come from a very more like body neutral approach. I actually don't think we have to be chasing weight loss all the time. And I think that if people believe it or not, if they tried a lot less 
to mm. lose weight, they actually would probably be more successful in general, right? If they said it more so focused on just like weight maintenance and healing their relationship with food and coming to like a consistent place and confident, or even just more comfortable than not before you can get confident in your body, just more comfortable with your body and appreciating what it can do for you. I think if everybody started with that baseline, the whole process of what they choose to do after that would be so much more simple. So how does one start on that journey? It takes time. First, you have to understand where it came from. So I'll just speak to my personal experience. Basically for me, I grew up overweight, very insecure, and I tied my weight to my worth very early on. It's actually why I wrote my book, Once Upon a Diet, because I was told from a very young age that if I didn't lose the weight, I would never get a boyfriend. So it was told directly to me that my size mattered in the fact that I'd be worthy of love. And then as I grew up, I grew up in the 90s. So every sort of superstar I saw on the cover of a magazine was a very thin, you know, no one in a bigger body was like, being kind of shown and praised. If you watched any Disney movie, all the Disney princesses are that same hourglass shaped figure and they're the one who gets the guy. And, you know, so it was just like, you know, I never got asked to prom, you know, my sister did, she was younger than me and she was thinner than me. You know what I mean? So like things like that, you just start to pick up that messaging. And so you have to first understand where it's coming from and realize that it's actually not your voice. It's just something that you've been taught. But just because we might be taught one way, as we get older, we learn that that's actually not the right, that's not like the right way. That's actually not helpful at all, right? We get older and we get wiser. So I think it's important for you to first kind of understand why is it that you're chasing this number on a scale or being smaller? Because there is also times in my journey, I've gotten to my quote unquote goal weight. And that's why when you're outcome focused, it can be really dangerous because I would get to my goal weight and then I'd say, what was five more pounds? What was five more pounds? What's five more pounds? And it becomes like, almost like, innocently, you have like disordered eating habits just because that's what diet culture is telling you. And then you become kind of obsessed with it. And now I was like borderline almost toying with an eating disorder and it can get really tricky. And I know a lot of women and men too struggle with this. And it's all because for majority of my life, I was trying to prove that I was worthy of love, worthy of acceptance based off my appearance. Meanwhile, I was like this awesome character person (laughs) inside. I didn't have to do any of that. And I had to go through that really disordered eating pattern and that path to finally realize like, I'm not even doing this for me. I'm doing this for the boy who teased me when I was in in the fifth grade. I'm doing this for my boyfriend. Someone once told me they came into my office when I was a dietitian and they're like, you're overweight. How are you going to teach me how to lose weight? Like, it was just so cruel. Like I was doing it for all these other people other than me. And when I sat with me, I was like, you know what? I'm happy in my curvy body. I love my body. Like my body's awesome. It does so many great things for me. And also I'm fast forwarding a lot of healing, by the way, (laughs) just go from like trying to change it and hating it to naturally now being like, wow, I'm freaking, I'm obsessed with it at all sizes it's ever been. But all that to say, like, it's not easy. It's a long (laughs) path, but through lots of therapy, you work with a, you know, a very confident, when I say confident, I mean, capable dietitian or someone who really can understand that it's so much more than just what you look like. And that food plays such a more role than other than just like helping you be healthy, right? Mentally, mental health plays a factor as well, but it, it definitely takes a lot of effort, a lot of healing, a lot of timing and a lot of support, but eventually you can get there. And it's a really freeing place. Like it's really, really freeing because You can then choose what you want to do. I do believe in body autonomy. You can then choose to do what you want to do with it, but you're no longer doing it for somebody else. You're no no longer trying to prove something. And you can really be like healthy is truly like when your physical health and your mental health match together, 
you can do whatever you want. You're like unstoppable. You know, you can focus mm-hmm. on other things other than like, what am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? How much am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. What do I look like? What does my body look like? Can I wear this? Can I wear that? Can I go out? Should I go out? Like these obsessive thoughts that just take over our whole life. We then now learn to like food is a part of your life, but it's not all of it. It's crazy what you're saying, because it feels so like there's a part of me that it, it's kind of like a little heartbreaking because it's what society has told women that we need to focus on to be smaller, to, you know, and, and it's like, it's sad it because is. we're not teaching our boys the same thing. And, you know, I used to go work out at a gym that it was a great place, but they focused on taking up more space. Like they, that's what they used to say. She didn't have any mirrors in the gym. And it was, you know, her whole thing was take up space. And I loved that because I think that that's changing. Like we're working out to get smaller, to shrink ourselves right. or like working out to, you know, work off that big meal that we had last weekend. And it's like punishing ourselves for kind of just enjoying life or eating out. And I mean, it's going to take, I think, generations to undo all of that. It is. And that's a really great point that you made about changing generations. Like a lot of women, a lot of moms come to me and they say, how do I not have my daughter have the same unhealthy relationship with food that I have? And I say, heal your relationship with food. You heal your relationship with food in your body and they will see it more than you can tell them anything. You can tell them whatever you want. It doesn't matter unless you show them. So it really comes down to just becoming healthier beings in ourselves, healthier and happier beings in ourselves. And passing that on from one generation to the next generation and and changing language, even the way we talk about food, there's no good or bad food. You're not a bad person. You didn't rob a bank because you ate a cupcake. You know, it's like really learning that it's actually okay to have that cupcake. Like it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's like, but you know, we want to focus on how food makes us feel, not how food's going to make us look. And when you do that, you'll find balance and it, but it takes time and you have to be patient and you have to be the leader. And, you know, there's also, I I say this a lot as well, like the more you love your decisions, the less you need others to love them. And at first when you're trying to change and maybe you have a group of friends that they're all into diet culture, they're going from this Mm -hmm. one to the next one, to this restriction, to this extreme, whatever it is. And you're not that way. It's going to be uncomfortable for a while. But when you realize like that your daughter or your son, even because mm-hmm. sons, men, boys do struggle with their relationship with food as well. You're going to realize like it's all worth it. And that's how you kind of break those generational pass downs. Coming at you this spring, the She Who Wins Summit is my first live event. There is no other event like it out there. It's not a stuffy, boring conference. The She Who Wins Summit is a day-long event for women who are ready to up-level their life. This event will inspire you. This event will motivate you. This event will move you. Are you ready to supercharge your self-belief and ignite your soul? Join us. For more information, check out www.shewhowins.com. Hope to see you there. So I'm going to do sort of a, like a flash questions at you because there's all different, you touched upon different things in the diet culture, but I'm curious about your thoughts on certain ones. So we're going to just kind of run through them. Intermittent fasting. Yeah. So this is, I feel like I get asked this like all of the time. So you always have to ask, why are you doing it? Right. So if you're doing it to lose weight, we need to take a deeper look because you don't need to do intermittent fasting in order to lose weight. Right. So if, and also the second question is, can I do this the rest of my life? There's not a lot of science to say that there's actual health benefits to it. The reason why people tend to lose weight on it is because they're in a calorie deficit. 
So it doesn't necessarily need to be something that you have to incorporate. If it works for you, great. But when even when we say that term works for you, we have to really be careful because a lot of people think it's working just because the scale is going down. But meaning like, are you not obsessing over food? Do you have energy? Do you have normal bowel movements? Are you not bloated all the time? Like, you know, those are things that it's saying, oh, you know, this actually works for me. Can you get through your workouts, right? So like, there's always going to be, I'm sure anything that you throw at me, the answer could always be, it depends, right? Like, yeah. cause there's going to be components where you, it might work and it might not and all that. But one thing I, I try to always take this approach of, you can try it out, but make sure that you're not disappointed if it doesn't work out. Right. And then also don't now, if it doesn't work, don't try it 10,000 times again. It didn't work the first time, probably not going to work the second time. Right. And so that's kind of what I talk about in my book as well is kind of just like, sometimes we'll like try something so many times we're like Cinderella stepsisters trying to jam our feet into that glass zipper <laughs> that like clearly was never meant to work for you. It's not going to fit. Like just, just give it up. Right. But with that now let's, what's the lesson there? Maybe through intermittent fasting, you learn something else that you're like that part you can take into your, you know, the next phase of your lifestyle, but you can leave the other stuff behind. All right. What about keto? That one I would probably not recommend ever. (laughs) 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 So the reason being like most things I take a really pretty much a neutral approach. I let people kind of try it out, but with keto, that's actually, so as a registered dietitian, what we're trained to do is we can help with what's called medical nutrition therapy. So we help people who have disease states like kidney disease, diabetes, uh, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, celiac disease, cancer. Like we are trained to be able to help to either prevent or treat the disease state with food in a multidisciplinary approach. And so the ketogenic diet is actually a diet that was designed for children with epilepsy because carbohydrates trigger the brain. And it's a medical diet for people with epilepsy. But now we have somehow someone caught wind of this and is trying to put it into like real world application. (laughs) It just doesn't work because you're never supposed to really take out an entire macronutrient. They're called macronutrients for a reason. We need them in large quantities. So you need carbohydrates every day in order to fuel your brain, to fuel your workouts. So what I often tell people is, you know, it's like if you have a friend who's about to go on a date with a guy that you know is like bad news. And, but like, she just needs to get it out of her system. It's like, all right, I'm telling you, it's not going to work out. But if you want to just go on the date and see for yourself, go for it. But here's the lesson. Here's where you're going to learn. Like he's not ready. He doesn't want marriage. Like you're wasting your time. So basically with keto, it's like, you're going to learn that like, maybe you need to start looking at where those added sugars are coming in, but you don't need to cut out fruit and you don't need to cut out grains and you can eat carbohydrates, but like, so you can go through it and put yourself through that torture for three weeks, or you can just decide, you know what? I'm going to just like, not put a ton of sugar in my coffee. Like I'm still like not always have the cookies after dinner. Like it's okay for me to have it sometimes. But I'm not going to make a habit out of it. You know what I mean? So it's like, those are the lessons that I wish people kind of took from that without having to put themselves through the torture for no reason in the long okay. run. Okay. <laughs> what about juice cleanses? Cause that's a big one in new year's after new year's. Yeah. So cleansing is usually like your body is fully, if you eat a balanced nutrient diet, nutrient dense diet, your body has 
lungs and a liver and kidneys. And there's so many components to our bodies that naturally help us to detoxify us. And a cleanse, it's like this idea of like, oh, I'm going to detox. I'm going to get it all out of me because I, I drink too much or I overate or whatever. And really to help with that natural detoxification process, like natural bowel movements, is just eating fiber rich foods, balanced meals. And so cleansing is kind of silly also because you're basically taking the fruit and you're squeezing out the juice. So you have none of that fiber. So you have a little bit of the nutrients, but you have mostly the sugar. And so there's not to fear fruit at all. I encourage people to eat fruit, but when you're juicing it, you're just getting the sugar without. So you need like, for example, an orange, let's say, say it has, I don't even know exactly. It depends on the size of the orange. Say it has like 80 calories and like 15 grams of sugar, right? In order to get a cup of juice, you would need about six of those oranges. You would never really sit there and eat six oranges at one time because you would feel full from the fiber, but because you're juicing it, now you're just getting the sugar. So it's really just an expensive way to then be hungry. If you lose weight, it's because you just like lost a lot of water weight, or you just don't have like anything physically full in your belly or your body. And at the end of the day, you're still going to need to learn how to eat because you can't just juice the rest of your life because you're going to be missing those macronutrients like fat and protein, right? And so it's not balanced. So it's not long-term. So yeah, you might lose some weight and maybe feel a little bit more leave because you're, you're not, you know, stuffing your face with food. Like you were a couple days ago, you still at the end of the day need to learn how to eat. So once again, it's not a waste of your time unless it taught you something, but you might be wasting your time. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because these are just three examples and there's so many other ones, but every single one of them, there is a consumer market for it. Businesses have leaned in and offered products that are keto or juice cleanses that they'll ship you. And people are making money off of this, which brings us to the diet culture and everything you stand against. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, I I think 70, at least $73 billion industry at this point. It's a lot of money goes into trying to distract you and to just keep you hooked. And it really is. I, I, I would challenge everyone out there to every time you're about to fall prey to the cleanses or the detoxes or the supplements or whatever it is that like you really don't need. And it's actually not going to help you get to your goal. I would take that money and put it in a piggy bank and literally see how much money you end up at the end of the year. And then multiply that by all of the years that you probably have wasted your money on stuff that isn't actually going to get you where you want to go and the answers, you know, and then treat yourself to a therapist or a dietitian (laughs) or a lawyer (laughs) or something that you need that like actually is going to change the trajectory of your future, but not that stuff. Which brings me to my next question. When you said a lawyer, because lawyer for the divorce, because the unhealthy relationship, it all goes back to divorce anyway. So can you talk about how diet and your relationship is your romantic relationship is linked? Yeah. I mean, so there's many, many places in which I can kind of share this, but I think the first part goes to even just like physical attraction. Whereas before you're even in a relationship, if you don't believe that you're worthy of true love, because you feel like you're in a body size that that you're not comfortable at, let's say you might then settle for like less than ideal circumstances. You might even enter a relationship with someone that really wasn't like, I did this for years. I, I dated two, I had two long-term relationships with men that I really should have gotten out of before that six, before that honeymoon phase, when the honeymoon phase was over and things started going south, I stuck in it 
but I should have left. <laughs> right. And it was all came down to when I got to the root of it, it was really just like, I was like, who else is going to love me? Like, I'm, I don't know if I have, if I can do this again or date again, because also when you date in a larger body or in a, just in a body you don't feel comfortable in, you know, people might reject you and you have to start all over again. So you settle for less than ideal circumstances. So that's definitely number one. I mean, if you're in a very toxic relationship, then unfortunately, um, you know, I've had boyfriends and I've also had clients who've had partners who literally were like, oh, you're getting too skinny. And then when they start to put the weight back on, they're like, oh, you're too fat. It can be quite toxic. So that is obviously definitely a reason for divorce. But other than that, I would say it can come down to just like, um, I describe this one kind of scenario in my book is like, sometimes if we lose the joy in our relationship, we then turn to food as a way to kind of bring that joy back in. And so now it's like, that's the highlight. It's no longer like you enjoy spending time together. You kind of just like notice that all you really do is order in food or go out to eat, but like, there's no more of that spark or anything like that. And as a result, then a lot of people will end up putting on weight. Um, they put, put on weight too, because of happiness. And trust me, like right. that's another reason as well. But obviously what I talk about in the book as well is like, sometimes it's like, it's okay to end things because maybe you really just don't like it anymore. Right. And so that's a question you want to be asking yourself is, do I even like this? And just consistently be, you may have really loved it at one point. Like the honeymoon phase is always awesome. Right. But after that honeymoon phase, like, do I still like this? Do I even like this? And it's okay to either end the relationship or things might have to change, or you might have to pivot in what you're currently doing in order to stay happy. And that same thing goes with your food is that sometimes something may have really worked well for you. You maybe really enjoyed certain meals, even certain ways of maybe you tracking your food was helpful for you at one point, but now it's stressing you out more than helping you out. So we throw it out, right? Yeah. So there's the many different things that you can implement to make changes. But yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of different parallels, but <laughs> that's why I wrote a book about it because there's just so many, but those are like the few that just come on, came into the top of my head. So you brought up tracking and I want to, I, I don't want to let you go yet because I'm curious as to your take on that. Cause I have done that over the years. Like sometimes I'll track and it's great initially. And then it stresses me out. I'm like, I can't do this. Like it almost yeah. makes me obsessed over it. And then I'm like, Oh, this is when it's becoming unhealthy when it's no longer just a tool to monitor. How do you Correct. feel about that? Exactly what you just said. Use it for when it's helping you. But if it's stressing you out, like I said, throw it out. Now with that, what were the lessons you learned from tracking? Maybe you learned that while you're a little bit more mindful, you're more intentional about your choices. You know, you can still implement mindfulness and intention without a tracking system. Now, sometimes we get busy, things happen. So we do need to kind of bring it back in. So that goes down to like, what was your method of tracking? Because there are many methods. There are many ways to track. So maybe if you were doing something like numerical focus, like my fitness pal or lose mm -hmm. it, something like that, maybe it was too involved. Maybe it was just too much. But so maybe you need to go old school, like pen and paper or the note section of your phone, or even taking pictures of your food and uploading it to an album or a journal or something. Or just like before you check in, just asking yourself, like, am I hungry? How hungry am I? And then when you're done, how do I feel? Am I going to be hungry in an hour or am I, am I feel like I'm good? You know, so there's other ways in which you can bring awareness and intention without having to kind of going back to that all or nothing mentality or something that might be like just too involved because we have different stages in life and different goals. And there's certain things that work well for us and then don't, and it's okay to shift and to know that about yourself. Tony, let's talk about your book. Can you share the title of it and yeah. what it's about and how we can find it? 
Yeah. So it's called Once Upon a Diet. You can find it on Amazon. And it's basically all about how dieting and dating have more in common than you think and how to break up with bad habits to fix your health and your heart. And it goes back to what I shared earlier about kind of me feeling like my weight determined my worth, bring that into my adulthood, going on having a really disordered relationship with food ending up dating five versions of five versions of the same guy, just with a different name and a different face, like never really (laughs) learning my lessons, repeating old patterns and behaviors. And you'll learn kind of how I broke free from that. And then how we also teach your clients to kind of break through those patterns from going from one diet to the next diet, to the next trend, to the next trend, Mm -hmm. hoping each one is quote unquote, the one, and then being disappointed when it doesn't work out in the long run. So you can get it on Amazon. It's available in paperback, audio, or Kindle. And hopefully the lesson that you get from reading it is that it, you know, regardless of the number on the scale or your relationship status, you can be both healthy and happy. Mm, I love that. Okay. Final. Oh, where do we follow you? Oh, Instagram is probably the best. I am on like all the other platforms, but I would say Instagram is probably best at tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I. And of course that will be linked in the show notes, but final question. What, I'm putting you on the spot here. What is one of your favorite healthy meals that you like to make in a pinch? Ooh, okay. Healthy meals that I like to make in a pinch. I like a lot of them. I've really been into lentils recently. So I would say normally, I mean, oh God, it could be anything, but I'm just going to say what I, what I've been having. I go through phases. So recently it's been like mushroom, onion, and spinach sauteed with a little bit of lentils. And then I usually put any kind of protein on there, like a chicken or a fish. And then I always love a a good little pesto sauce. It's like my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be anything, but that's more recently what I've been making. It sounds delicious. So so I'll have to, uh, I'll have to write that down when we hang up. So I have that and not another bagel. (laughs) (laughs) Tony, it was absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks so much for having me. That's a wrap. Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after. Oh.